This is the official Caps Church Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am here with another episode of the official Caps Shirt Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network for your Monday uh, listening pleasure. Rough week last week. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think that might have been RIP the dream of any playoff race. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's not over till it's over. We If, if we, we do have three matchups against the Islanders, and that can make or break a season. But let's pop some tabs and get right into it. One, two, three. All right, let's start off with some injury reports. Or more more like league news. McDavid only needs 10 goals in the final nine games to get 70 goals. That's crazy. Good for him. I kind of hope he doesn't break the 65 because that's the highest that Ovi has ever had. Um, we'll love to see him, you know, get like 64. 64.9 is fine as well uh, if they do that. So, you know, that's that's incredible. And, and there's only three other active players have ever accomplished the feat. Austin Matthews, I think he did it last year. Stamkos and Ovechkin. So definitely in limited company. Love to see it. It's good for the game. Uh, let's just hope that he can get out of there without um, without it being uh, <laughs> uh, 65. Oilers prospect, you know, keeping it with the Oilers. Ryan Fonte is a goaltender. For the Fort Wayne comments, he scored a goal in the ECHL against Rapid City Rush. Just shout out for our goalie goal. Love to see that. Pekka Rene has a statue now outside Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. I think good for him. I think that if, if you're thinking about a player of, of super importance from that club, it's definitely Pekka Rene. Um, cool stuff there. And the Yotes are officially eliminated from playoff contention. I think that was almost a foregone conclusion. That you could, uh, you know, draw yourself. All right. Injuries. Line A out two to four weeks. The Jackets with a tricep stain. That happened during practice. No big deal. The Jackets have nothing to play for. Uh, and we'll talk more about that in the Washington wraparound. Josh Anderson out remainder of the season for the Habs with a high ankle sprain. Kale McCarr back in action for the Avalanche. Uh, they're definitely going to need him. Uh you know, I don't think Gabe Landeskog has come back yet. So, you know, they need Kale McCarr, especially if they're going to go deep. Thompson for the Golden Knights, injured, lower body injury, goaltender. Good thing they have quick to back up there. That may be like the end of the season for him, but who knows? Um, it's going to be long term, though. More than, more than a couple weeks, I'm thinking. Oliver Ekman Larson out for the season for the Canucks. Injury was described as a left ankle injury. So that could be a sprain, it could be a break, it could be needs to be amputated, who knows. Um, but definitely a uh, <clears throat> a career or a season ender for him. Suspensions. <laughs> Two weird suspensions for literally the exact same thing this week. Blake Lazat sussied one game for cross-checking Josh Morrissey, hit him in the head quote-unquote, accidentally. And Morrissey on this play was like dropping his shit for a fight. So if you're dropping your gloves, you're really not expecting somebody to just come in and, and T-bone you with the, with the stick. Uh, I definitely think that he deserved a game there. A.J. Greer also suspended one game for cross-checking Mike Hoffman in the face off a neutral zone face-off. Let's be honest, Hoffman probably deserved it, but it's still very illegal. And since, again, though, he did it on quote-unquote accident, they gave him just a game as well. None of these players have a history. I mean, they're pretty young. Uh, but for all you young hockey players, if any of you are listening, got to be in control of your stick at all times. So that is the league news. We've got a ton of stuff for the Washington Wraparound to talk about. But first, I do have to pay the bills. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. 
plus combine multiple bets for a shot and even bigger payout. DraftKings will feature parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Do it. Thank us later <clears throat> with all the money that you win. If you want to sponsor us after you get rich, that would be awesome too. All right, let's get into the Washington wraparound and talk some Caps hockey. So apparently Kuznetsov has asked for a trade in this, just as the general news here. He apparently did it last year too. Uh, it's interesting because I think the team has been pretty vocal on that, like he is being shopped, not like that he wants to leave. So this news broken by his agent and Russian media outlet uh, apparently is uh, real. I don't know. I, I don't know how, how much I believe it in the sense of like, is it actually going to come to fruition on anything? His tra- contract is like $8 million a year. He's got a couple more years on it. Um, when he is performing, even like 75%, he's worth every penny. Uh, right now, though, I think he's performing at like a 60% of it. You know, the coach wants him to play D, wants him to play in his system. He doesn't like it. Uh, this is not the first time that Kuznetsov has appeared disgruntled with the team. I mean, he's been suspended uh, when him and Sam Sonov were late to a meeting. He's had drug abuse problems um, that have, you know, banned him, caused him to be banned from international play for eight years. Um. I think he's, you know, and then not to mention just like how he had to come over, right? I mean, the guy was a stud in the KHL. Comes over to like, why would I come to North America when I'm making all this money, right? And and the Caps drafted him. They finally got him over, and then they win a cup. So obviously he can play at this level, and it's uh, he's super talented. Um, if the Caps do move him, which you know, I, I really like Evgeny Kuznetsov. I think he's one of the most creative uh, players. I think that his stride is insane. Um, you know, you don't see guys who can glide like that with the edges that he has and just the perfect balance. But I will say, you know, maybe he's looking for more money on his next contract and he doesn't think that the Caps are going to give it to him. And if he continues to put in seasons like he's put in now, I wouldn't blame him. Um and so maybe he's looking to, you know, it's probably better for the team to get something for him, right? It's a first-round pick. It's their first overall pick. Uh, hopefully you return at least that, uh, if not more. I definitely think he could be a number one center in most teams in the league. All I want is to get him out of the fucking division. If he's going to get traded, you know, he's going to light it up somewhere else. Don't let it be one of our division rivals. Laviolette was in Wheeling, West Virginia to be inducted into the ECHL Hall of Fame as he played for the Nailers, apparently. Um, I think he only coached one season, so I'm not exactly sure if he's in as a coach or if he's in as a player. I don't think he really played, so I don't know. Um, I think the lower league Hall of Famers get a little bit more votes their way as long as they've made it up to the top echelon, which is the NHL. So in any case... Uh, I've never been in any Hall of Fame, so I've got to give it up to him and say congrats, that's for sure. So, uh, his son is actually playing in the ECHL for Wheeling right now, which is, you know, very fitting and cool. Congrats to him. Uh, I didn't get to go. I didn't even know it was happening, uh, which is bad on my part. I live in this town. I should have gone, but nope. Uh, that was on last Friday, so... He made it back for the uh, the Saturday Pittsburgh game, and he was in town, right? So, good for him. Brock Woods, also, shout out. He was also inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame. I think he leads PIMS. The guy was an absolute pugilist back in the day, uh, and, you know, he's a good dude as well. So, congrats to him and Brock. All right, let's talk Caps hockey as far as the games go. So, on the 21st, we played Columbus at home, right? Scheduled win, if you will. One of those quote-unquote scheduled wins that we uh, we should have had. 
Instead, we come away with a loser point and a 7-6 gong show overtime loss. And here's how it started. In the first, Ovi scored his 40th of the season. Only about five minutes into open scoring, he now holds the most 40-goal seasons in the history of the NHL. There was some drama around this goal, though. He thought Strom, I mean, his intended, it was not a shot. It was an intended pass to Strom. Uh, and it did look like Strom got a stick on it. So initially, it was announced a Strom goal. But after review, they found that the puck was actually tipped in by the defenseman. Uh on Columbus, so that becomes Ovi's goal. Hey, you know what? At this point, you know they say you don't ask how; they ask how many. And Ovi is at the top of that how many list. So uh, they all count. Fuck them. I whatever. This is great. I love to see it. Starts the game off well. It's like five minutes in, starting off strong. Caps seem to be putting together a really solid period here at home, really pushing the pace and outshooting Columbus for large large stretches of this period. So things are looking well on their way to a win here, right? TJ Oshie follows it up with a nice deflection goal moments later. 2-0 two, at home, baby. Loving this. Loving this. Caps are dominant all over the ice right now. It's feeling good. Then to top it off, Shiri, who's on like a 20-game drought of scoring, blasts one post and in, and, and we're riding high. I mean, it was a good play by Sandine to dish to Shiri, uh, just kind of an area pass, and Shiri had plenty of runway to just step into that thing and blast it. Uh, love to see it. Unfortunately, though, at the end of the first, Alexiev just has a terrible play, turns it over, then blows a tire, turns it over to the guy who's in front of him, blows a tire, then picks up no one, uh, along with everyone else in front of the net, uh, for a garbage goal in front that started from that Alexiev turnover. Um, he was unable to recover. He switched with his D partner um, and then kind of drifted into the corner. He got beat to the net there. He's not picking up anyone. He's kind of watching. Uh, and then um, Columbus player drives goal line, gets it, gets a shot on, and it bounces in front. Lingren can't track the rebound, and it's a garbage goal, uh, rebound goal in front. Um, these guys, the, the, we had plenty of jerseys back, just nobody was actually physically assaulting anybody in front of the net, which is what needs to happen on those jam plays. So, um, hate to see it. A lot of guys standing around with no momentum, nobody moving at the end of that goal, but Hey, you know what? We're up, we're up three to one. Like let's, let's get into the second. Let's, you know, put the women and children to bed as they say in the second though. Columbus starts showing some fight, and seven minutes in, Lindgren gets sniped at no angle. Short side high, and at this point, it's 3-2. Things are starting to get a little uncomfortable. We're starting to blow a three-goal lead, which is unacceptable. It happens more often now, but uh, to throw to fl- throw a, a three-goal lead to the wind is, is reckless at best and just absolutely fucking terrible at worst. Only two minutes later, the Caps blow coverage in their own zone, and Columbus gets a shot on net that trickles through Lindgren. The Caps have an answer for this, though, as Nick Dowd takes the puck on a joyride in the offensive zone, one-handed, mighty duck style, with the one hand, bottom hand on the stick, and just kind of fending everybody else off with his left hand. Dishes to Jensen between the legs of the Columbus defender, and Jensen just steps into this thing and, and rifles it home. So, what a snipe there. We are still ahead at this point, uh, going into the third. <clears throat> but in the third, the Blue Jackets fully arrive to the game, and they ding Lindgren for two to tie it up. Nine minutes into the third, these shots were outside as the Caps were overloading the puck and leaving guys open. Um, just poor coverage, not enough jam, you know, all the things that, that happened. Just, uh, you know, you could even call it a mental lapse. I don't know what excuse you have for letting up these two goals in the third. But Mantha and Smith tried to counterpunch a nice cross-crease play from Mantha to Smith on the rush that Tarasov, the rookie tender for Columbus, was equal to. Then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, hands team Jensen comes down the left boards and just roof one's backhand short side for his second goal of the night, and the Caps are back up by one. So the, the goal, three-goal lead, blown. Uh, Caps clawing their way back into this one on the stick of Nick Jensen on a fucking short side backhander at no angle. I mean, that's fantasy shit. I love it. Uh, it's a wild game on a score sheet. And even though the Caps had at this point blown that lead, 
uh, it looked like the good guys were still going to come out on top. Oh, how perceptions can be wrong. An empty net for Columbus and them committing to never saying die. Saw them bury a rebound off of the of uh, the Caps were as the Caps were were puck watching. There was a shot from again the goal line, and it ends up trickling just past Lindgren, and nobody picked up the backdoor man, and it was an easy tap in to tie the game. Unreal. In overtime, the Caps had some chances but couldn't retain possession as Oshie falling to his knees throws the puck into the middle right to the Jackets. You know, he's high in the zone there. I don't really know what the fuck he was thinking. I think he had a little bit more control than he did. Uh, Probably was also tired, which fucks with your mind. Uh, Turns it over in the middle right to two Jackets players, a two-on-one with Gaudreau and Roslovic. Gaudreau sent a very nice pass over to Roslovic, who made no mistake you blasting like one T top shelf, and that was for the win. Uh, overall, just fucking embarrassing to get caught in a running gun game with the fucking Columbus fucking Blue Jackets who had nothing to play for. Why? Like, slow it down, dump in chase, play a fucking trap for all I fucking care. You're up by two goals going into the second, and you end up scoring six total. Ugh. I mean, you're going to get your chances. I just think a little bit of patience was necessary there. Um, and you know what? Give it to Columbus. They came out and fucking hit us in the mouth several times. And we had we were unable to respond. Um, do I think that if that game went to a shootout, we would have won? Maybe. Probably. But it it didn't. And that's that's why you play the game. So Brutal. Pretty, uh, pretty piss poor performance there. That's probably the season's worst uh, loss, I would say. Uh, Not just because it was so timely, but because there was a three-goal lead. We were against a team that's a bottom feeder. Had, you know, no playoff dreams in in sight. Literally mathematically eliminated. And we come and let them dictate terms at home. Embarrassing. Tough. That's hockey, though, sometimes, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Moving on to the bright spot of news. I mean, we do get away with one point. So, okay, we've got one point. It's not terribly backbreaking, but it is because it's at this point in the season. But it's not like, okay, you know, all is lost. We play Chicago two days later on the 23rd. Also at home. Uh, John Carlson and Kemper both back in the lineup. As you know, John Carlson took a puck to the head. Sheared off uh, part of his, you know, cut him, cut him, cut his some artery that goes to his brain, which is wild, and then uh, shattered his skull. So he's already back and performing very well. Uh, and and this game really kind of shows it. You know, the Caps and Hawks in the first played a, a really even game until halfway through the first when Kadobin gift wrapped a turnover to Connor Sheary, who immediately tapped it in uh, to a goalieless net. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, Kadobin was playing the puck way outside above the goal line. And because the caps were applying good forecheck pressure all over the ice at this point, um, and had everyone covered, it made Kadobin kind of double clutch the pass and immediately turn it over for Shiri for a very easy goal and his second to in as many games. So good for him, you know, in December and in the first half of the season, Connor Shiri was really the unsung hero of the Washington Capitals. And since then he's kind of disappeared. This is very typical for a guy, you know, at this point, Shiri's a, a well-traveled veteran. This is pretty typical for him as far as streakiness goes. Um, so I'm going to give him a break on that, you know, but it's great to see him kind of getting a little bit more back into the scoring groove as the season progresses to who knows what end at this point. Uh, 20 seconds later, though, on a faceoff play, Ovi fumbles the puck, and in the most nonchalant flick of the wrist, Mantha goes far post and in. Finally, another Mantha goal. Love to see it. Kind of a opportunistic goal there, but definitely needed the finish there. Uh, you know, the ability to finish. And man, did he make it look easy? Just really, just flick of the wrist and then post and in. Very nice. The Caps had more high danger chances and, and mitigated the chances from the Hawks in this period. John Carlson just looked good and steady in his pre and his in his return. You know, his presence 
doesn't just bolster that blue line, folks. It elevates the team for sure. Also, Kemper looked very steady as well in that first frame. <clears throat> in the second, the Hawks continue to struggle. Man, they're they're fucking bad. The the the, the Chicago Blackhawks are just a dumpster fire. Uh, they continue to struggle though, as the Caps remain largely in control, aside from a few Hawks plays at the net. Early in the second, Nick Dowd, who's working on a career-high year in points, nets his 13th goal. This marks the most goals and points he's ever scored, I believe. Or most most points for sure. I think he might be tied with goals. So let's get him a couple more and just blow this blow this career-high year out of the water. It was a nice uh, passing play through the neutral zone. Ended with protests passing through a defender's legs, tape to tape. To Dowd, who finished high and away, uh, shot from in close. I mean, good for him. You know, there's a lot of buzz around OV and about what, you know, our top players are doing. But, you know, if there is a silver lining to this, uh, to this season beyond Ovechkin and the return of Backstrom and some of the storylines that we're familiar with, you know, Nick Dowd is a huge, huge storyline here in, in the sense of getting that career high, you know, really progressing through his career. So congrats to him. Later on in the second, Nick Backstrom did score off a give-and-go with Dylan Strome. I love to see it. Just a really good positioning and technically sound play that, that wasn't pretty. wasn't pretty, but it was very effective. Um, <clears throat> you know, back he got a loose puck or got, got fed right in front and made no mistake. <clears throat> the Caps have, have taken up to this point pretty four pretty sloppy penalties at this point. Um, I said that twice, sorry. Including some stick infractions and a too many men. You have to clean that up for sure. Uh, the Caps are going to commit penalties. They just do. Uh, they play physical style, but also, you know, some of their players are a little old and lazy. And when you stop moving your feet, the first thing you do is go to the hands. When trying to impede progress, right? Because uh, I think that a lot of people don't understand how much footwork it takes to line up a clean body check especially at the level and the speed the NHLers are doing it. Um, it's physically grueling, and it takes talent to actually hit somebody and line them up. Um, so when you're not doing that and you're caught behind the play and, you know, you've pumped your legs and they're not giving you any more, the first thing you do is reach out with a stick. You know, you've got you've got to impede progress somehow. Um, I if, if, you know, stick penalties are up big in, in the NHL and, you know, I think that's largely due to the speed of, of the, the skating speed of the players and how quickly teams are getting into their system. So <clears throat> on top of that, you know, they're really taking out. You're not allowed to like clutch and grab and hold and things like that as much as you were. So um, pretty standard stuff, but you can save yourself a headache by just not taking that penalty and moving your feet, quite honestly. And if you're burnt, you know, and, and you need to take the penalty, then I guess you need to. But that's pretty rare when that happens. Um, you'll know when a good penalty is is taken. <clears throat> but even with these penalties, the Caps took full control of this game and had the puck in the Ozone. We're moving that way this, this entire second frame. Early in the third, John Carlson continues to show his importance as he nets a goal. About a minute in, there's a power play marker with a change-up speed from the blue line. It's the second point in the game. A couple minutes later, Zaitsev gets his first goal of the season, ruining Kemper's shutout. You know, it's just, if you want to get your first goal, just play the Washington Capitals. We'll just give it to you. Or so it seems. Um, Ovi, though, he took that personally. And with five minutes left, a vintage power play f- power forward goal from, from the grade eight. Ovi created a turnover and got those legs pumping to absolutely burn Seth Jones and score a nice forehand, backhand, Barry. You know, I love it. That's number 821 and number 41, our career and number 41 on the season. A lot of people are going to say that, like, the OV spot office, like that 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 left face-off circle is the classic OV goal. And while I agree it's a bit of a classic, I definitely think that, like, why OV is great and the, the, the goals that really, like, did it for me are not only those goals. I mean, all those goals do it for me, if you know what I mean. But the the vintage power forward, young OV just taking the puck and not giving a fuck who's around him and getting through those people and going straight line, you know, no matter where he got the puck on the ice, could be in his own zone, could be behind, be behind his own goal. 
Um, just taking that puck and just straight line to the cage. Nobody's going to stop him. And either he burns you with a insane shot or he dangles you. And that's what we saw here. I love it. And that's a vin for me. That's, that's the vintage Ovechkin that we, that we all know and love. Uh, this is how, you know, this game right here is how the Columbus game should have gone. The Hawks are so bad. So I hope this gives the boys some fire going into, into the next game, which would be Pittsburgh, which is a must win. The Caps pretty much dominated this game. Felt good to see they can still do that, even if it is against the dumpster fire Hawks. Um, and, you know, something cool about the Hawks is they have both Caleb and Seth Jones on the blue line, two brothers. Um, it sucks for the team's, the team's trash, you know, the Hawks. But uh, it's awesome these two brothers get to play together. I'm sure that's, uh, you know, in the youth levels, they probably play together quite often, but now they're doing it in the NHL. So really cool. Not to mention all the, the pracky that they probably did um, away from the organizations that they played for. All right. So let's go into the proverbial nail in the coffin on the Washington Capitals season. Or not, I guess. Uh, I ended up going to this game in Pittsburgh. The mood was definitely heightened. And the crowd was large. Everyone knew how important this game was. Lots of mouth breathers were excited, excited, like very excited to say the least. In the first, you know, really not a lot, of, not a high event first. Um, the Caps played a solid first period road game against a rival despite taking two penalties in the first period. Those two penalties could have been the end. But the Caps PK did what they've been doing all season and delivered. Uh, I think for the most part, you know, if you look at the replays, you're going to see a lot of uh, penguins rushes and things, but the caps really cleaned that stuff up. They were helping uh, Kemper out <clears throat> around the net, picking up rebounds, cleaning up garbage and keeping people out of the middle. So, you know, I was, I was feeling very comfortable after first or as comfortable as you can get in the opposing Pittsburgh barn with the season on the line. I would have loved them to, to bury one of the chances that they had. And they had a few um, on to Smith who was working at this point on a very, on a career game, <clears throat> probably one of the best periods he's ever played for the, through the first and second. Speaking of the second, that's when the wheels fell off is Sandine may have had the worst shift of his entire NHL career going dash two and his last man back on both go ahead goals by the Penguins. Ovi and Carlson had a 2-1-1, and Ovi dished to John Carlson for the 1-T that was a little too far side, but uh, Casey Smith came up with a huge pad save. He hit that puck so hard, you could hear the pad save throughout the entire building. I mean, it was loud. Um, good save, don't get me wrong, but, man, that was just... I almost want to see Ovi shoot that, right? I don't know. I... I I can sit here all day and speculate as to what would have worked better. Honestly, John Carlson had a wide open net. It was a great play, but DeSmith robbed him. Um, Carlson could have put it in the air and more to the left, and it probably would have gone in. But, I mean, for the most part, Casey Smith had that thing going. This was also at a full speed and a two-on-one uh, trying to line up a one-timer, which is hard as hell. So, yeah. After that kind of rush uh, and riding off that momentum of that save, uh, the first goal with pulling was scored and Sandine was a bit out of position. You know, I mean, honestly, I'm just going to be, I'm just come out and, and be pretty critical of Sandine on, on this game, especially. Uh, I think that if you look at his, his stat line, it's great that he's racking up points, but he's still dash double digits and he is on for almost every five for five goal. So in the first, uh, or on the first polling goal, Sandine was just a bit out of position. He was too slow and too weak to make a difference chasing down the, the puck carrier. Um, it was a, basically a breakaway as the Caps were trying to support one side. Sandine drifted too far to the right and could not recover on a guy that was started the play level to him, which is always with your last man back alarming. Um, and as the play broke down and the puck was was dished up, uh, he was just totally un, unable to recover, unable to to 
push uh, pulling out of position with his strength. Um, not a good look. And do I think Kemper was too deep in his net as well? Yes, but it's a breakaway. Uh, you can never really blame a goalie for that. Uh, though this would have been a save, that would have been a game saver, most likely, for for the uh, for the Washington Capitals. Um, then on the second goal, which happened about a minute later, he again overplayed the situation uh, on Ruiz's goal. He stepped too early, setting himself out of position just on the onset, and then had to hustle back, and then finally dropped to the ice for the pass. But, you know, at this point, that guy's not shoot, not passing that. Uh, Ruiz was already inside the faceoff dot. You've got to stay on your feet and just take the fucking body. Do something, anything to impede the shot. Get a stick in a lane, dive for it with your stick. I mean, um, he kind of went in ass first to try to cut down the pass across, uh, which he, you know, in, in justification here. The guy who was covering far side was Trevor Van Riemsdyk who had lost his stick on this play coming out of the offensive zone. So it's just a, some bad term, turnovers and jam-ups on, on the boards that did not go the Caps' way at all, caused Sandine to be the last guy back and you know just totally mishandled the situation, I think. Um, and was the, and so, okay, you, you can you mishandle a situation, that's fine, right? And you can do it twice in a game, back-to-back, back, that's fine too. But at the same time, the, the thing that irks me the most, I think, about it is that he he either intentionally put himself out of position before the play, like at the beginning of the play, or he found himself out of position at the beginning of the play, which is, for an elite defenseman, something that rarely happens uh, in, in the NHL. So that's what I don't love. That's probably my biggest criticism is you got you to gotta stay in good position, you got to be active, and you got to be ready to, uh, to come back quick. And, you know, of course, I've questioned his size in the past. Uh, would have loved to see him kind of move his feet a little bit more. After giving up these two goals, he was obviously frustrated. He ended up fighting and getting fed pretty good uh, by, I don't know, some bum. I don't even remember who it was. But it was a featherweight matchup for sure. And, um, yeah, that was – that just – Got all the mouth breathers in Pittsburgh going real fucking hard after that. So go dash two, teams down two, go out and fight, lose the fight. I mean, not Sandine's night by any means, that's for sure. All right. So again, though, on this one, could Kemper have done a little bit better covering that short side? He's a little too deep in his net. Yes, he does play deep in his net, and that would have been a good thing to do. I don't think, again, though, that this goal is his fault as the shooter was inside the face-off dots, right? I mean, almost single-handedly himself got himself into the high-danger area. So I can't I can't hate him for that. Um, and the D was beat outright. You know, I do want to say something, and this is not backed up by facts. This is not backed up by anything other than, like, my me reading into a situation too much. In these big situations where it's like one-on-one with the shooter and the defense has clearly shit the bed almighty on the entire situation, it almost seems like Kemper tells himself, like I feel like I can watch him tell himself, well, if I let in this goal, it's not totally on me. The defense fucked up, right? That's the wrong fucking attitude. He needs to save the goal, do whatever he can to save the shot. But it almost seems like he, he tries less on those one-on-ones. And again, on those breakaways, when when he's when the defense is completely out of the picture, it seems like he tries less. I'm I'm just saying it. I have zero proof. This is purely the eye test. Um, but that, that's how I feel and that's why you're listening to to hear about all of my feelings. Fuck, speaking of feelings, my throat is killing me. I hope you guys are staying healthy out there. I'm eating a fucking cough drop trying to drink water. It's been brutal. This weather change, uh, while it's great because golf season is going to be in full swing here in a minute, um, it also hurts, so not ideal. Okay, moving back into the second, though. Ovi had a breakaway, which was nice, but he didn't bury. That would have helped. That would have been really nice just to get an Ovi breakaway goal, um, just to shut up all the fans. Um, crazy save by DeSmith, though. 
know if he had to settle the puck, but he really, for the most part, had had to Smith uh, pretty out of position, and he recovered very well. You know, the replays, if you watch them, you didn't catch this game, like on NHL. Of course, they feature a lot of offense by the Penguins and not a lot by the Caps, but the replay didn't show, you know, at this point, the Caps were... were were down and, and kind of went through a, a war of attrition by trying to dump and chase. So in the second frame, they decided, all right, fuck, we're down. We need to get the puck deep at all, you know, simplify the game, get down and start beating people up. They did that. And I do think that increased physicality and making the Penguins retrieve the puck at, you know, 150 feet every time did pay off there in the end, at least a little bit. So I think it's somewhat effective. Um, even though while I was watching it, I was very frustrated to see them just kind of get the red line, dump it in, get a change, run lines, hit people, and then come back our own way. Especially with a team like Pittsburgh, who is incredibly opportunistic. <clears throat> All right. So, you know, trying to write the ship, but they didn't fully write the ship before on the PK. Tom Wilson throws a muffin over the stick of his defense, which I think is TVR. And right to Jake Gunsel, who went, who went, uh, Five hole on Kemper. Again, would love to have seen Kemper just shut the five hole down there and keep us in it. And it does sound like I'm really hammering the goalie, but I really don't think it was his fault, this loss. I think he, there were many times where he was testing, he came up big. You know, in traffic and in the zone, Kemper is pretty much lights out, but it's those one off rushes, those one off kind of backbreakers uh, that we would love to see him just come up with one. Um, and that could steal a game, right? And, you know, we talked from Joe from Tindy Talks, and he was like, Kipper's good. He's solid. He's technically very sound. But the problem is it just doesn't seem like he has that extra fight. He won't steal games for you. And that was his words. And um, we talked earlier on the season, so I didn't want to give him too much credit on that assessment. But after watching a season of Kipper, I've got to agree. I've got to agree. Every time we blow a close one or something happens where, man, you know, Kipper didn't play bad, but if he would have just made like one or two more saves, we probably would have won. And uh, I think that really is what separates you from a game-changing elite goalie and, and the ones that, you know, win cups on good teams. Who knows? All right. Into the third. Down three, nothing. Thanks to a, a bad pass by St. Thomas. Four and four play, about five minutes into the third. Latang coughs up a turnover, and Kuznetsov just masterfully and patiently went for the wraparound, waited the whole defense out, and found big St. Thomas in the crease to ruin the DeSmith shutout. You know, good for good for Tom Wilson, St. Thomas to get back in the game. <clears throat> After a pretty egregious pass back that went in for the third goal, you know, uh, if you see the replay, you can see him throw his head up to the sky, like, after it happened, like, uh, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. <clears throat> but give him a break. He got one back and started the scoring rally for the Capitals. That was pretty early on, so, you know, 15 minutes and about – 10 minutes later, you know, it was just back and forth. The Penguins started to, like, play a little bit more on their heels. They, they were they seemed, after they were up a couple goals, they seemed satisfied with continuing to turtle a little bit. Not a full-blown turtle, but, all right, they're going to dump and chase it. That's fine. We'll, we'll play that game. We'll just take it up the boards, and we'll do the same thing. Or, you know, we'll bide our time. So they weren't exactly pushing pace. <clears throat> I thought for the most of this game, the uh, Washington Capitals controlled the pace. Um, they just didn't get the. They just didn't bury the chances they needed, and the Pittsburgh Penguins did less turnovers, right? Uh, less important, untimely turnovers. Uh, but six minutes left, the Caps do get a fortunate power play and immediately score off an OV one T from the office. I was right behind the net. It was amazing to see. Um, I was in the last row of the lower bowl behind the net. Uh, so you get a really good view of the whole ice along with just like the, the attacking zone. So uh, 
the sound of the slap shot, you know, the puck hitting the stick or the ice, and the sight of the puck denting the twine were almost simultaneous. That's how fast Alex Ovechkin can rip them. Um, and this one, I believe, it went like it went high, but I believe it just went right through Casey the Smith, which shows not only was it fast, but it was a heavy shot as well. Uh, what a snip. That's all. Just fucking awesome. Two, three. The Caps have life. So I'm starting to feel better about this game after sitting through two periods of a bunch of mouth breathers, just like, you know, being all Pittsburgh-like. <clears throat> With just under three minutes left, the Caps crash the net in desperation, and Sherry sends a puck across the crease for Nicholas Abe Kubel, but he was tied up and stick-lifted. Until Dylan Strom, out of nowhere, coming from behind the net, hustles to the loose puck and buries it on the ice with his backhand. Amazing work ethic there and just staying involved with the chaos. I love to see it. I love Dylan Strom. He did a really good job there. So that's a tie game. Um, and then, you know, for the minute after, the Caps really started pouring it on. The Penguins were absolutely reeling. They just got hit in the mouth really hard. They're, you know... Stumbling back, the Caps are continuing to put shots on, getting extra chances. There was a chance in front by TJ Oshie. He had to glove it and put it down. Couldn't put it home, though. And and for that minute, they were, like, pouring it on. And you thought, like, oh, fuck, this could be a thing. Like, we could either go to OT or, you know, we're going to end up just winning outright. That would be even better because we need the four-point swing. But then Anthony Mantha happened. He skated the puck out of the zone. Instead of dishing it, was stripped by Malkin, almost at the middle face-off circle, uh, who just skated down basically uncontested and went far side on Kemper. So that is how you get a 4-3 loss with the Pittsburgh Penguins after coming back and having them blow the 3-0 lead. If I was an objective hockey fan and I didn't like the Penguins, you know, or the Caps, you know, if I, if I didn't have the hatred for the Penguins, I should say, and, and like the Caps, didn't care who won, this was an absolute fucking barn burner and an incredible game to watch back and forth uh, of the two greats. But since I am a Caps fan and Penguin hater, uh, it was stressful. And as soon as the game ended, I was like, let's get the fuck out of here. And I, we were up at the, you know, we were up at the concourse level. So we were able to dip out pretty quick. <clears throat> yeah. So first of all, let's talk about the Caps gameplay, like overall. And something that I've been watching, but haven't really been talking about yet. Because um, I wanted to see if this was going to be pervasive and, and really just a long-term thing that they're doing. And I think it is. I think they've been doing it all season. They've just been better at it with the different personnel, the younger, faster, more talented personnel. The Caps try to play stifling defense by overloading one side, the puck side, or the strong side, if you will, but are constantly getting caught far side or weak side. You know, this system works if you're able to block lanes effectively, play the body, and like recover quickly. But this team doesn't have either of those skill sets right now. Apparently, I definitely think that their biggest they they they're they're unable to recover very quickly, and <clears throat> they're not doing a good job of blocking passing lanes. They're getting too spread out uh, within their what should be a very dense formation to you know effectively turn cause turnovers in their own zone. Um, so, you know, they overload the puck all over the ice as well. And this would be what's called like close support, right? And you probably heard that. Oh, they support the puck so well. They support the puck so well. Well, the Caps do that. And sometimes it works and looks beautiful. Other times it bites us in the ass, like the two Sandine against goals, right? The two first goals in Pittsburgh, um, you know, an example of where it bites us in the ass the defensive zone is in Columbus when Line A sent that puck over to, I don't know, some young kid and he buried. Um, 
when you talk about that, so that's obvious right there. But like in the offensive zone, when we're playing high, you know, we try, we've tried to play that three man kind of cycle game up high on the blue line, which is risky as hell. But like when you're sick, I guess you can do that. Um, and there's three guys over in one corner. Now, imagine if a turnover happens and that puck just gets squirted into center ice, that far defender is gone, right? And even when it doesn't happen like that, so for instance, on that first goal in Pittsburgh, the Caps come down, they get the puck, they panic, they put a shot on net because they're getting swarmed. It's a three-on-three situation. Sandine is all the way past the center line of the ice, fucking off in no man's land. The shot gets blocked and batted down and then tossed up ice for an easy out with support. So, you know, if we're going to, I've been very non-judgmental of Lavi's stuff. I thought his system was cool. I thought it looked good. I definitely think that he breaks the puck out very well and effectively for the Caps and gives them lots of options coming out of the zone and lots of support. The problem happens is if you're not tape to tape, if you're not executing perfectly in this system, uh, you can be exposed pretty easily, it seems. Um, <clears throat> now, are these passes, they have to be long passes, right? So hopefully your goalie's tracking, hopefully you have time, because, you know, they're they're literally from one, in, one, one width of the ice to the other. So we're talking about like 40, 50 foot passes. That need to happen for this to be beat this system, which is tough, uh, tough for the person to control it. And if but it's it's the NHL. These guys can can string things like a laser uh, as far as their passing goes. So you know, I think uh, the overload. I think we get too bunched up at times, and we can't recover, and we're running into each other, and the feet aren't moving as well as they should be, and that's where we get that's where we get exposed. So that's been something that I've seen probably since January or after December when when Nick and, and Wilson came back, and I haven't seen it go away. So if there is a pervasive structural problem, that's it. Too much support, too much overloading the puck, um, not enough head on the swivel, and primarily, I just don't know if Laviolette at this point has the personnel to pull that system off. Um, based upon the speed of their guys <clears throat> and who they lost and the experience of knowing where the puck's going next, you know? We lost a lot of that um, after the trade deadline. <clears throat> uh, you know, on the second goal, though, uh, of for the Pittsburgh... for On the Pittsburgh game, it's the same story, overloading the puck out of frustration and leaving guys open. Uh, Dowd steps up to the puck carrier as they're trying to break it out of the zone, who gets out against TVR who doesn't have a stick and, and Kuzi is dragging ass back on the back check. I mean, it just spells disaster. Nobody picks up the shooter and it's a goal. It's tough. So <clears throat> I don't know if we're going to be able to see any marked change, marked change um, when it comes to this system, but uh, that's what I'm seeing as far as structural concerns with the team. Now let's talk about the playoffs. Caps fan, I, I think that that loss to Pittsburgh was the final nail in the coffin. You know, I've been very positive up to this point because I truly want the Caps to make the playoffs, even if they go and get fucking smoke, smoked in the first round. I just think it's good to be there. I think it's good to see the the new guys that have come onto the team get that opportunity. I think it's more valuable to make the playoffs and stay high than to get a higher draft pick that likely won't play in the NHL in the next five years. They might, but probably not. So that's my take on it. I think the caps, I think it's RIP the dream, unfortunately, but there is a way out. (laughs) And that way involves the caps winning every single game from now until the end of the season. Um, Honestly, that's basically it. If the caps win out, they have a shot. But next week's games are against the New York Islanders on the 29th on Wednesday. And that's back-to-back home. So that's home against the Islanders. Then away into Tampa Bay at on Thursday. So back-to-back, 29th home, and then away to Tampa Bay. All right? That's, next, that's two games next week. That's it. 
So I've got some rest. Then the rest of the games, the 2nd of April, the Rangers, the 6th of April, Montreal, the 8th, Florida, who, again, we're fighting for a wild card spot on, the 10th, the Islanders, the 11th, Boston, and the 13th, New Jersey. I hate to say it, but I would not be surprised if the Caps only win one of the rest of the games going forward. Um, I hope they haven't quit. I want more. But, you know, if the 29th, the Caps lose in in pretty convincing fashion, it's 100% over. I just don't, I think it's mathematically not able to be, it's it's almost brinking on mathematical limitation or statistical limitation. Um, The only thing that's really keeping them around right now is the three games, um, I'm sorry, there's only two games. I've been saying three. What the hell am I doing? The two games against the Islanders and the Florida game. That's the only thing. Those three games are the only things that are like keeping us alive. If we win all three, maybe we have a chance. But we'd have to win all three and then beat, you know, two or three more two two more teams. And the way the Caps are playing, I just don't think it's possible right now. So look forward to the offseason. We're getting a draft pick. It's somewhat high. Um, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, folks, but I think that's I think that's all she wrote, which is sad. I'm saddened by this. Um, but you can always self-medicate with lots of alcohol, and that's probably what I'm going to do right now. Caps fans, I will see you on Thursday. We have a interview with Nick Berlansky. I invite him on the podcast from the Tip of the Iceberg podcast to gloat a little bit about his team's recent success over the Washington Capitals in Pittsburgh. And we get a little bit of a vibe check as to what the Penguins are going to be doing, not only in the offseason, what they're going to be doing now, and um, what the playoffs have in store for them if they make it. It's they're def- They're more secure than us, that's for sure, but it's definitely not a foregone conclusion. So we still have at least, you know, something to hope for in the sense of the playoffs is the Penguins not making it, and that's what I'm hoping for. So until Thursday, Caps fans, thanks for tuning in. It's Hockey Trail signing off. Hey, Caps fans, thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Trail podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.